Welcome to Plot Points Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sevy. On this podcast, we hit it out of the park, drive for a touchdown, shoot for goal, and float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed, the light's out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. This is Plot Points Podcast. Hi, this is Mark with Plot Points Podcast. Today, a great, uh, a great group of guys. We are all sports fans of varying degrees, and we're going to be talking about sports movies down the road here. But uh, I'd like to first introduce my, my pretty much my weekly co-host, Chris Stiers. Chris, how are you? I'm doing fine. How's everybody else? Yeah, everybody's good. Chris. That's good. You don't gotcha. let's not talk to everybody because then it's going to be one of those three hour things. So. Understood. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, and also with me is, um, uh, a, uh, a rare treat, a rare sighting of Lorenzo Porcelli, who is not only a, uh, the president of the Southern California Writers Association, but he is a co-founder of the Orange County Screenwriters Association and, uh, just a really uh, enormously talented and gifted human being. Um, even though he is quite a pain in the, you know what, um, you gotta love him. So hello, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great. I, again, I, in the words of Harry Doyle, I'm just a bit outside. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, a new, a newcomer to the podcast, one of my, uh, students who's, who's, uh, you know, made great strides with his writing, his screenplays. He's finished, I think three up to this point. We'll talk to him a little bit about that, but, uh, Aaron Musa Zahab. Yeah. yeah. Oh, three. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor. I'm excited for this podcast. Oh, good. Well, it's, it's, it's someone should be, I guess. No, I'm kidding. Um, that's fine. <laughs> no, one of the for re- having me. No, well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because you're a big sports fan. You and I have talked, uh, sports, I think ever since the, the first time you walked into my class and, um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're a Chargers fan, long-suffering Chargers fan, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, but they're doing pretty good this year. So, uh, man, they are. They are. They got a they got a really big game tonight on Sunday Night Football. But mm-hmm. you know, I think they can win. But we'll see. Well, I mean, well, they're gonna uh, stiff competition with the Steelers. So we'll see how how all that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Larry, I know you're a big sports fan too. You love your Michigan State, uh, teams and, uh, you're, you're a, what, who's your pro team? Who do you, who do you root for pro team on football? Well, I'm a lifelong Jets fan, but I've only had one Super Bowl in my entire life and I barely remember it. <laughs> okay. And Chris, going I mean, back to Joe Namath. Oh yeah. Broadway Joe. That's number, that was Super Bowl number three, right? It's it. Yep. But 69 was a great year for New York. You know, we won the uh, Super Bowl at the beginning of the year from 68, but they played it in 69. Mm-hmm. We won the uh, NBA with the basketball Knicks, and we won the amazing Mets. The amazing Mets, yeah. And uh, Chris, Chris, you're you're kind of late to the sports. Uh, I know 
when we when we first met, you weren't that much into football or anything, but you're you're becoming a fan, right? right? At, at different times, it uh-huh. depends on my day, how many games I get to see, if any. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I do have to say, every four years, I do watch from beginning to end the Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics are great. That's something we don't think. You know, I don't even really think about them too much when we talk about sports uh, but obviously they're huge and i I do love the olympics too so uh good that's good so we had when i had first uh, conceived this podcast to be about sports uh we were in the middle of the world series uh the football the college football was was pretty much going strong um there was a convergence that that yearly convergence of sports you had hockey football basketball and baseball. It was great. And then, of course, we kind of got sidetracked because some really incredible writers died and we wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, honor them. <clears throat> but um, that's why we're doing a sports-themed podcast is because it's a, it's, you know, the most wonderful time of the year. We got uh, college football just wrapped up. Um, basketball is going strong. Baseball just finished a little while ago and football, uh, and uh, pro football's, you know, right in the middle. Well, not a little bit on the uh, toward the end. We've got five weeks left. So, anyway, this whole podcast will be about why um, sports films are so such a great storytelling telling medium. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. But before we do that, let's talk about anybody watching anything they want to they want to mention anything interesting. Well, yeah, I saw two good. Two good movies this past week. Oh, you did? Um, yeah, they were fantastic. One was Green Book, the Green Book. Oh, that looks great. And I yeah. loved, yeah, and I, I loved it because it was based on a real life character from the Bronx named Tony Lip. I saw The Mule also. The Mule, uh, Clint Eastwood, and uh, oh, yeah. really outrageous. Another one based on a true story: the Sinaloa cartel's ninety-year-old mule about a, an older guy who, uh, because of his financial difficulties uh gets uh into being a mule for the drug cartel in america mm-hmm. and of course he has to face his past failures and everything else and you know should he make them right or shouldn't he you know and all this before he gets caught but mm-hmm. really great great film larry is is i don't i i, I could never get your title right but you work for maya cinemas which is a a wonderful uh, theater chain in the Central Valley and, and now expanding all over the United States. Uh, so you get to see some of these films uh, ahead of time. You're always telling me about movies coming up and stuff like that. So that's, that's great. Well, I'm always inviting you, but you never want to go. Well, you, you know, I don't want to drive to Fresno to see a movie, Larry. So <laughs> Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Chris, are you watching anything new or are you just sticking with the stuff you've been watching? watching the same stuff and a lot of things on network are being interrupted because of the holidays so right there's no new episodes on most of those programs huh okay yeah me for me i i watched a new a show called patriot which is i'm still trying to figure out how to describe this show it's really it's a comedy drama um and it's about an intelligence officer whose father is basically his boss. I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I highly recommend it. It's so unique. Um, it's on, I think it's a Netflix original or no, I'm sorry, Netflix. I'm sorry, Amazon 
Amazon original. It's available on Prime for free. And, uh, it's ama- just amazing. I have never seen anything. I mean, it's not like it's going to blow you away, but the way that they handle the, the narrative, uh, the storytelling, um, they open up and I won't be spoiling too much for you, but they open up with a, a really amazing moment. And then you have no idea where you're at in the story. And then they kind of flash back and then flash forward to that moment again. And, uh, it's really well done. It's, it's, you can tell that the filmmakers, the writers, uh, conceptually understand how to work a story for, for best effect. It's just really well done. And the creator is, uh, Stephen Conrad, um, uh, who has done some really, you know, great, uh, great stuff. Uh, he did, um, The Pursuit of Happiness, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, he's got some, a lot of stuff in the, in the works, but I highly recommend that, that show. Uh, so at this point, let me mention we're, po- we're Plot Points Podcast. We are a kind of a co-production of Orange County Screenwriters Association. By the way, Aaron is a board member on uh, Screenwriters, uh, OC Screenwriters. I, I forgot to mention that, but he's been a lot of, a lot of help in, he comes early to the meetings and helps me set up and, uh, been, been a big help there, uh, with a lot of things. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Um, no problem. You're welcome. Okay. So what are we, what are we working on? Uh, Larry, are you working on anything? I know you've been bu- really busy with uh, the theater openings and things like that. Are you wor- able to be working on anything? I am, yes. I have a, met an agent named Celia Yates, and uh, we're talking about uh, an experience I had during uh, brain surgery of dying, and um, she wants to take it. She works with uh, Faith Words, which is a, uh, a, a sub of uh, Zondervan Publishing, which is a very big publisher. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been doing the uh, rough portions of that and sending them to her little by little and uh, back and forth. So that's where, where I'm at. Oh, good. Okay. Well, it's a good story of having died and what happened after I died on the operating table and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. Then you were then you became a zombie and uh, you had that, that <laughs> romp through Europe. I remember all that. That was really cool. Okay. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> It was covered by CNN, I think. So, um, all right. Chris. I had a zombie date with Taylor Swift. <laughs> I think that's age inappropriate, Larry. I think you, I don't think Taylor Swift would be rocking your boat yet. Uh, of course, you know. You, well, she's now 26. Oh, that's true. Okay. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Chris, what are you, what are you working on? Anything, uh, anything beyond what we've talked about? I mean, are you still working on your book and everything? Yeah. Still working on my novel. Yep. Okay. And uh, any insights besides, damn it, this is taking a long time to do? <laughs> no, no. No. No insights at the moment. And sometimes it's just, how uh, how did I think of this? Yeah. Right. You know. Right. But thinking about your project continuously, usually day to day, that's your brain is constantly going different places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Very aware of that. That's for sure. Uh, Aaron, you, uh, so you've just finished a script in class and, uh, are yep. you, you were going to work on, I don't know, you were going to do something else, but what, what do you, do, what are you actually working on right now? I'm just well, working on my rewrite to, to the realm of the witches, which mm-hmm. is the fantasy. I think it's going pretty well so far. Yeah. You so know, I've, just... I've also been trying to, um, 
read more fantasy. I, I started reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, wow. When I went to, to, I just got back from Costa Rica, but when I was in Costa Rica, I did a little writing, but I started reading uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's a great book, or a great series of books. I I envy you. Is that the first time you've read uh, that? Yes, it is yeah. the first time I've ever read it, and it's it's quite brilliant, to say the least. Did you read The Hobbit? I have not read The Hobbit. Yeah. What do you think, guys? Should he read The Hobbit also or first? Of course. It's an interesting uh, beginning, while right. lighter, but nonetheless, it's important. You could read it after, but, you know, it gives you uh, Bilbo and his story before you get into Frodo. Right. Well, it also introduces a lot of the, the narrative threads that are carried forward in uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, so you get introduced to the world and the hobbits and... Uh, I think Gandalf is in there and some of the goblins and elves and things like that. So the elven. Um, well, that's good, Aaron. I mean, we, you and I talk a lot about your, your work. And I think this is, for me, in my mind, it's the single most important thing you can do is to read masters like Tolkien who, who, who perfected the art of fantasy. Um, he did. He, he set the template, and um, George R. R. Martin says that he wouldn't even have Game of Thrones if not for, for Lord of the Rings. I agree. I don't think we'd have any, hardly any fantasy if it wasn't for Lord of the Rings. Well, I want to do a fantasy show at some point, uh, fantasy movies or something like that, because it's definitely a great genre. It's uh, got a lot to, lot to offer. Um, for myself, I, you know, I just did about uh, 15 pages of my Revolutionary War script. Um, unfortunately on one page 167, which, uh, is not a good thing, but it's not a bad thing either. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, the, about when I hit, when An I epic. hit, well, when I hit page 120, I thought, you know, I'm never going to wrap this up in a couple pages or whatever. So why don't I pitch the producer in turning it into a uh, TV series? He was amenable to that. He liked that idea. So, so I'm going to probably end up with, uh, probably 185, 190 pages and then, uh, have to figure out if I want to chop it up or, I mean, I just don't think there's any way to tell this story in, in an, an hour and a half or two hours. It's just so big. Um, so anyway, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. There's, Unfortunately, there's a lot of Revolutionary War stuff out there right now. So, and that's pretty much it. That's, uh, that's kept me busy for the last couple of weeks. And, um, I met with the producer thir- uh, Friday and he was very pleased, but I'm dying to get into something like horror or a serial killer movie or geez, you know, I was it just, I want to do, I want to do something. The, the Revolutionary War was bloody disgust, bloody disgusting, but I really want to get bloody disgusting. I want to get, you know. <laughs> Paint the walls with uh, with victim yeah. blood. Disgusting. So. Go back to your roots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, you better modify that. I don't think that's a, a great way to say that. Go back to my roots. You mean my writing roots? <laughs> <laughs> but I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, genre films by their nature are not. They're not easier to write, but they're easier to understand from a. Uh, I tell people in class all the time, you know, write a creature feature, write a, write a slasher film, write something where the stakes are easy to understand and, and, and they just flow. Um, certainly a revolutionary war, the stakes are easy to understand, but it's so many moving parts. It's hard to keep all those uh, pieces together. 
But, uh, you know, a serial killer film or a slasher film or a horror film, those are, those are, those aren't as, as hard to deal with. So, um, well, so let me ask you, wasn't The Exorcist released during Christmas? The Exorcist was released during the Christmas holidays, but that had a huge following in the book. Oh, the William Peter Blatter. There was a, yeah, it was a huge bestseller and, you know, people had such, anticipation of seeing that right, right. that uh, it drew huge crowds well, but don't, know, so, crowd, houses. yeah and this is what i've never understood about maybe we can talk about this on the christmas show a little bit but i've never understood why they release horror films during christmas because i would assume that people want to be you know watching happy films or inspirational films but it seems like there is a lot of horror released during the uh, christmas season is that because of the exorcist or uh, just it because. was because of the Exorcist. Most, yeah, previously you never saw something like that, uh-huh. but that happened to be the release date they picked, and it worked out for them as a big movie, mm-hmm. yeah, a huge movie. And um, usually before that, you didn't. You've got you know big heroes and happy ending stories and things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, since then, a lot of smaller companies, even like uh, Lionsgate and everything, have put alternatives out to the good. So you have the good, the bad, and the horror, you know, at uh, Hollywood, at uh, Christmas. Hmm, interesting. All right. Well, uh, again, this is Plot Points Podcast. I'm with uh, Aaron Musa Zahab, uh, Chris Styers, and Lorenzo Porcelli, three fine gentlemen and uh, terrific writers. Um, Aaron's just starting his journey. Uh, as a, He's been – how long have you been with the class, Aaron? A couple of years? Um, a little bit longer than that. I, I want to say three and a half years now. Wow, gosh! And uh, I, I just yeah, want... it's really flown by, and I've and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, so well, often. yeah, yeah. I I often tell the uh, tell the class the new the new class coming in, and uh, the of course the old class knows this. But when Aaron first started, I I I just didn't have any idea how I was going to teach this guy because. Uh, he was brand new at it. It was it was hard for him to figure out how to tell a story. Uh, there were so many things, uh, you know, so many obstacles to overcome. But to his credit, he stuck with it. He listened to what the advice was that the class was giving him. Um, and man, your stuff is just really good now, Aaron. I mean, it's you got you got still got Thank a ways you. to go, but wow, what a what a transformation. I, I've rarely seen anybody, uh, go from zero to hero the way that you have. So, uh, just amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You deserve it, man. You worked your, your butt off. So. All right. Let's, uh, segue into our sports films. I think for, um, the next podcast, we'll be doing Christmas movies or, with the caveat, we're going to answer the burning question, is Die Hard really a Christmas movie? <laughs> because everybody puts it on their top 10 Christmas movie lists, and I don't see it. It takes place during Christmas. It's not a Christmas freaking movie. Uh, it's really just a great action adventure film. Yeah, it, it, is a, it's, it is an action film. I mean, uh, yeah, it takes place during Christmas, but uh, anyway. So we'll see, we'll see well, how you hear... Uh, you hear, have yourself a Merry Christmas, and The Godfather gets shot during Christmas yeah. season. So, in The Godfather, is that a Christmas movie? I mean, he doesn't say ho, 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 mother effers. He says yippee ki mother effers. So, it's like, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's just me. Um, all right. 
So, guys, let's talk about sports films. I am a big fan of sports films. I don't know how you guys feel about them, uh, if you like them or you think they're overwritten or overdone or overexposed or whatever. But uh, a good sports film is a real joy, I think. I, it, you know, they hits a lot of the... A lot of the places in your heart and your head, uh, we struggle so hard and sometimes that just doesn't come out to be the way that we want it to. Um, so let's, uh, let's see. We'll start with, uh, Larry. Give me your top five sports films and why. Sure. Uh, I put them in no specific order. I couldn't. Okay. And I had, I thought it was a dozen. So I had a dozen plus an alternative dozen too. No, we don't need, we don't. Uh, there's just so many, <laughs> there's just so many great movies. Yeah, it's true. But, um, I have to say, probably uh, the ones that I've seen uh, recently. I mean, and I like over the last many years. But I loved McFarland, USA. Oh, yeah. It was about a small town and a small group of Mexican American kids that were kickers in a field, and based on a how they story. made it big, you know. And it was based on a true story, you know, and and it just was, uh, you know, for this time and day, it was a, a wonderful film, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, he brought to life such great people, great characters, great people, mm-hmm. and uh, they were all real. And I was very fortunate to have met them, but that did the story in the movie. Whenever it's on, I'm watching it. But um, right, Kevin the other Costner. one, I, another one, I Kevin Costner. I mean, he was in so he was in quite a few of my favorites. You know, mm-hmm. not not right now, but uh, he was. You know, in uh, Field of Dreams and Draft Day. He's just good with sports, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Whether it's golf or baseball, or he's played mm-hmm. in so many types. Uh, although I don't think I've seen him in a football movie. But yeah, I also I uh, like the movie called Glory Road, which I'll watch if ever I see it on. And it's a true story, also based on the uh, Texas Western playing Kentucky in the 1966 NCAA champs, and it was the first time. Uh, Kentucky, which was an all-white school, played an all-black school, and uh, in the finals, and it was the story of the Adolph Rupp and what, how he never wanted a black person on his team, and and how Texas Western beat them in the uh, finals, and you know, a year later, uh, Adolph Rupp was having the first black student play at uh, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So it was a changing time, and it was a, a very poignant, touching story. And John Voight played Adolph Rupp, and man, he just ripped the heck out of that role. Mm-hmm. So you felt it. You know, you felt his hate, and you felt the compassion of the other people in it. So it, it was really touching. Okay. Um, another one I really love is Caddyshack. <laughs> and uh, if you play golf uh, and, you don't, and you love Caddyshack, you know, it just got lines that are ubiquitous everywhere and uh, people to this day when they're on the course use lines from that movie you know right. so uh, we're gonna have to go to just, in, we're gonna have to go to instant replay on this larry i'm sorry uh what do you think guys does caddyshack qualify as a sports film i'd say so uh chris okay mm, okay well, right there with die hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it was all, takes place on a golf course yes <laughs> Yeah, it's a comedy, I, uh, but it's definitely sports. Yeah, it's a. I don't. No way. I, I no way. All right, but I'm. I, I'm. I've been outvoted. Hey, judge. Hey, judge. <laughs> I think um, it's a great film, but yeah, some hat. It's not a sports hey, film. Wang. <laughs> hey, Wang. All right, let's not get into uh, the whole. Well, all right, I, I I can eliminate that. I'll just eliminate that. No, no, you no. Know, I'm, just, was, uh, I'm just kidding. I just uh, I just don't consider it. And a then, uh, 
I did like, I mean, I had so many, but I, I loved Sandlot, oh, which okay. was uh, a great story about kids and how they come of age playing baseball mm-hmm. uh, on a field and, uh, you know, a dirt field and how they become uh, heroes to themselves, but in their neighborhoods and how, you know, the biggest thing they have to face one kid, but it's just with a group of, you know, kids. And we've seen that story over and over. Uh, but nonetheless, this one was, uh, has, it's lived to this day. You know, they've made about seven or eight sandlots mm-hmm. and, uh, the movie just touching and it just shows kids. Each one had a different thing he had to overcome and it shows that in each of those. Um, I had a couple of heavy ones. You know, one was why, when we were kings, which was a doc, but it was right. the, uh, the doc of, uh, the rumble Muhammad in the jungle. Ali. Yeah. Uh, with George Foreman and Muhammad Ali, who was not, you know, he wasn't the champ. He wasn't uh, picked to win and how he fought it, but it went behind the scenes to everything, you know, and who was against Ali and so on and so forth. And really a, a, an ama- amazing movie, you know, just a, a fantastic movie. My, my last one would be a, a tie between uh, slap shot and breaking away. Oh, God, and yeah. um, they were both uh, just, great films in there. Slap shot in hockey was, you know, the, the crudeness of it, but yet nonetheless, the story of it, of uh, hockey and, and uh, manhood and uh, what really is a man mm-hmm. and breaking away, you know, uh, a great story about a bicycle racer yeah. who uh, pretended he was Italian, you know, to try to make his way with a young lady, but also uh, how he overcame uh, to uh, to a win. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, was it just movie. touched your heart, you know. And they were all overcoming stories, you know, even in Caddyshack, you know, you had to overcome the judge, but uh, it was still overcoming and uh, everything was an overcomer story. And I think to me, that's what I like at sports. How do you, how do you overcome something and, and win? Mm-hmm. It's easy to write about something where you hit home runs all the time and that's it. And you win every game and bada bing, but that's kind of boring. You know? Well, I mean, I think so all, I like sports, the- all sports films at their core have that message of, uh, uh, you know, empowerment and overcoming who you are, what you're involved yeah. in, or discovering that what you've aimed for is not really what you need, some, something like that. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So, okay, it's a good list. It's an interesting list, uh, as eclectic as you are, Larry, um, with the exception of Cat. <laughs> uh, Chris, what did you come up with? One of the things I wanted to mention that's terrific about sports movies when you see them in the theater is a lot of them, and when they're done well, you got the audience participating in them. Mm-hmm. And you, other than comedies, you don't see that a lot when you're in the movie theater. True. Usually you're hushing people. You know, don't be talking on your cell phone while I'm watching the movie. And then you got people, you know, it's the well, David want, and Goliath story quite a bit. Yeah, but I don't want people talking on their cell phone during a, a sports movie either. The idiots. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> Yes. And I get your, I take your point. So go ahead. Yep. Okay. My five. Uh, the fifth one kept changing. And I, what I originally had, I know is one of your favorite movies. So I put it aside and let you talk about that one. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have so, a list or not. So go ahead. Oh, okay. Anyway, so I'll, my new number five, I put The Longest Yard oh, from yeah. 1974 with Burt Reynolds. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was an audience participation movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert 
Aldridge, who directed it, did something like 37 movies, including The Dirty Dozen and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Wow. And uh, the screenwriter, Tracy Keenan Wind. Yeah. So he's so Keenan Tracy Wynn's got some good screen credits. I think he did uh, had about seventeen movies produced. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Longest Yard's probably my favorite of his. Mm-hmm. After that, I've got A League of Their Own. Mm, good movie. Yeah. I just yeah with uh, I just enjoyed that movie with Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. It was just it was fun and it was something different that. Again, based on a true story, but they did a whole fictional right. take on it. And they've got now a line, just like follow the money, has mm-hmm. become a catchphrase. Right, absolutely. Yep. And number three, I have Seabiscuit. Oh, wow, that's a great movie. With uh, Jeff Bridges and Toby Maguire and Chris Cooper. That was just a wonderful movie. I agree, yeah. And number two is a little film called Invincible. Mm-hmm. It's based on a true story about a guy who, uh, you know, got a one in a million shot when he tries out for uh, the Eagles. Yeah, when they had a, yeah, anybody that wants to try out for a team, come on down. This is what the new coach decided he'd try. Right. And this Vince Papali stood out, and they actually put him on the team. Yeah, yeah. And it's a terrific movie with Mark Wahlberg. Absolutely. Okay, and um, your, your number one? Hoosiers. Okay. With Gene Hackman. Yeah. It's another, it's another, it's not only a personal story, but it's also another one of those David and Goliath stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're rooting for these guys. Yeah, it was a really well-written uh, well-conceived yes. film. It kept you, it it kept you riveted for the entire film, which is rare in any drama. You know, because yes. sports films are basically dramas. But um, yeah, 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 terrific film. I uh, I think it's probably at the top of most people's uh, top top sports films. So yeah, good list. Okay, very also very eclectic. Um, and um, yeah, just just. You know, I think a lot of what I see in your list as, as in Larry's is just the story, just the incredible, you know, story elements. Aaron, what do you think? Oh, I'll stop. I'll start with number five. Keep in mind that three of the five I picked are football films. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) No surprises there. No, you used to play, used to play, right? You were a defensive back? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's my favorite sport. So it makes sense. Okay. My, my, at number five. I have Remember the Titans. Okay. I think that's yeah. a, a great sports film. And I think one of the messages is that perfection is achievable. Mm. I've seen it happen when I was in high school. My freshman year, the team went undefeated. Wow. Um, that was the same year Remember the Titans was released as well in 2000. Wow. So. And do you want to mention the school? Yeah. Um, Irvine High School. Okay. Irvine High School Vaqueros. Okay, was, cool. They won the CIF championship that year, which was, which was awesome. The, the next, uh, at number four, another football film, I have Rudy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which I mentioned earlier, the rise of the little guy filling your dream. Mm-hmm. I think the screenplay by Angelo Pizzo is, is great. It's got a lot of heart. One of the better, fo- uh, not only football movies, but sports movies. 
At number three, I have The Natural. Oh, God, yeah. I think that's a great film. Uh, that movie's about dreams can happen in sports. A nobody from nowhere becomes a legend. I just, the, the ending of that film has almost a kind of a surreal look to it. It looks like a dream to me. Yeah, there's a, there's some odd fantasy elements in the natural that I, that it's probably my number one sports film because of. Yeah, I, I'm not even the biggest baseball fan, but that movie kind of just always has struck a chord with me. I, I don't know. It just, it, it's a great story. It is. It's. It's. But it's so. It's surreal. There are surreal parts of it. I mean, he's magical. You know, the bat that he makes from the um, from the tree that's struck by lightning, and uh, just so many great uh, mythological and archetypal elements in that film. Okay. And, and also, it's the ending is totally different from the book. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. I didn't. I didn't know. Um, they went. They went dark in the book. The author did. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah. This, this, Remember well, the wound, the wound he had in right. the last game. Right. Yep. He must. Uh, so he must die or or something at the yeah. end. Right? Yeah. Yep. Well, I I gotta say I'd probably be satisfied with both endings, but I'm happier that it ended on a up note. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What else, Aaron? And for number two, which is the third and final football film. Brian's song. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Which, which is a touching and well told story. And I think a big reason I picked that film is because I just love to watch Dale Sayer highlights. I think he's top five running back of all time. He was just an awesome player for the yeah, Chicago Bears. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a, he's a legend, obviously. So. Yeah. Beautiful story, though. A yeah. lot of heart. Yeah. And that was originally a, t- for, was a TV movie. It wasn't in the theaters. It was done. Correct. Yeah, it was released in November of 1971. I think the Thanksgiving special. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Okay, and number and one for number one, I got the Great and Immortal Rocky. Okay, definitely, definitely a great sports film. Yeah, oh, that's a great list too. Um, I mean, I I like I, you know I'm probably more in line with your list than uh, Chris's or Larry's. Um, that's really interesting. I thought, you know, I, I thought we'd, we'd overlap a lot, but we really don't. Um, which is a tribute to sports films, I guess, even though they, like you said, there's so many. Yeah. Oh, and there's so many good ones. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, yeah. Larry, I'd forgotten about McFarland USA, but I really enjoyed that film too. Um, yeah. My list is, uh, I mean, Rocky, The Natural, The Longest Yard, The Blind Side. Which I loved because of the uh, the nature of the story. I just thought, and and Michael Orr mm-hmm. is still playing, I believe. Um, it, and it was based on his, you know, semi based on his life and stuff. But I loved it. I loved that movie, and the wrestler. I'm surprised nobody mentioned the wrestler. I thought that was a true. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Ugh. but um, let's talk a little bit about. Um, uh, tangential to this is do you guys did you guys it's like my favorite uh, sports TV series is Friday Night Lights I think it's the most incredible uh, sports yeah. TV I've ever seen do you guys uh, have an appreciation for that or anything like Eastbound and Down or Arliss or Glow or 30 for 30 or uh, Football Life which are basically documentaries are you guys interested in um, 
sports TV at all? Yeah, I, I, I actually really love um, 30 for 30. They've had some excellent stories on that, on that show. Yeah, it's a well-done documentary series. Anybody watching Glow? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, I've heard it's really good, and I've yet to see it. But um, And then Arliss, I don't know, you guys, anybody familiar with Arliss, which was about a sports um, a sports agent starring Robert Wool? Yeah, I remember the series. Wasn't that HBO? I think so. Yeah, I I saw it after after it ran first run. I can't remember. It was on one of the one of the other cable channels. But I used to love that show. It was really what because it also took advantage of the sports figures of the day. Uh, they would have like Jerry Rice or somebody like that on um, as a guest star, and it was kind of fun. But also Eastbound and Down. Anybody watch that that comedy series? Yeah, it's hilarious. It is. It is. It's really, really funny. I haven't seen it in a while, but I've I, I laughed a lot watching this show. Yeah. Well, I thought it was also, um, I mean, it, you, you made you laugh, but it also made you, you know, realize I, maybe the thing with sports, the reason we all like them so much is because they're, it's very much like our writing careers, right? It's so hard to succeed. And yet, there are moments of real glory and real accomplishment. Um, I mean, anybody have any thoughts as to why sports films are so compelling? And, you know, there, there's some great ones out there, but there's also some terrific failures. I mean, just horrible, you know, movies that didn't do well at the box office or whatever. But what do you think she reasons that sports films, uh, as a story, uh, telling vehicle are so, are so compelling? Well, well so many people play sports. Well, that's know, true. And they're touched. And, uh, you know, and everybody has, just about everybody has a favorite teams, favorite sports, from baseball to basketball to football on the big three. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's always a natural pull there. Just a, and everybody, everybody likes the story of the little guy beating the big guy. Right, right. What do you think, Chris? Well, I think part of it's what he said. We can relate to it. We can't always relate to some of the horror movies or, uh, Gangster movies and stuff like that, but what are you talking about? It, even <laughs> <laughs> even when uh, you know it doesn't matter what gender, you can relate to people playing sports, right? Right. Yeah, there's not as many female-driven sports films out there as there are male-driven sports films, but. In general, I mean, uh, unfortunately, female sports are not as well received or well funded as uh, as ma- the male versions. Like I know there's some terrific NBA or not NBA, but uh, yeah, I guess it is NBA, the WNBA uh, players out there and teams, but nobody hears about them. You hardly hear about a, you know, like the spark. Um, well, that's one of the reasons I liked a league of their own. And other than that, you're right, women in sports. I mean, I. I can think of a couple of roller derby movies. Right. And after that, there is nothing. Right. So there's a niche that maybe could be filled by some hungry writers out there, you know, focusing yeah. on. I mean, I, I know Bend It Like Beckham is, uh, was a good little soccer movie. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Larry, can you think of any female driven sports films? No. Uh, they're so, uh, we did have one film on, uh, uh, one of the Olympic runners, Flo, um, Flojo, Flojo, but it wasn't a big, big movie. Yeah. Know? Oh, uh, none what? of them. 
you know what? I just looked it up, and one of the one of my favorite movies of all time is Girl Fight. Anybody see that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl Fight. Yep. That was good. Yeah, that was a really. Yeah, oh my God, it was terrific. And the thing about it, it was also a Hispanic young Hispanic girl in a male dominated uh, uh, sport. And um, geez, it, yeah, I just forgot about that. So I mean, in, I mean. You also had, uh, you know, love and basketball where it was about right. two people who were both athletes. One of them was a woman and, right. uh, you know, the surfing movie back in uh, somewhere around 2000, Blue Crush was about a yeah. female surfer. I mean, some of these movies I'm looking at, yeah. I know, I know them, but I, I've never seen them. Uh, well, uh, don't but... forget Jodie Foster in Bad News Bears. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, all right. Well, well, it's on my alternative list. And you'd have to go back in the 40s to uh, Elizabeth Taylor in National Velvet about horse racing. Well, uh, you consider that a sports movie. Well, Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby was also. Million Dollar Baby. About the best one ever. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, I, I was bothered by the way Million Dollar Baby flowed. I thought that it was two movies. It was the first half was about her as a fighter. The second half was about her as a paraplegic. And although that it was very mm-hmm. compelling, I thought it was there was some compelling moments. I felt like it was two different movies. It was so jarring to me. I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Because um, I'm a big Clint Eastwood uh, fan of his movies in general. But I would have rather it been spread out a little bit. Um, so anyway. Uh, let's get ready to Um, all right. Well, those are great. Uh, so, so, uh, Aaron, did we get a chance to hear from you about why you think sports movies are so compelling as a storytelling? Uh... Um, yeah, I'm, I want to just say real quick, the reason I think they're so compelling is because they're just so real and honest. You know, uh-huh. people, a lot of people play sports that's easy to connect to. I mean, um, a lot of the characters just feel very real. And there's just so much plenty of conflict and obstacles. Like the prime example of that would be Rudy. It took him a long time just to get into Notre Dame. He had to get his good grades, get those grades up before he could even enter the, the university. And once he entered the university, the, the obstacle of just even making the practice team was there. Right, right. So the well, whole film, he's just going through obstacle after obstacle until the very ending when he makes that he makes that famous second, and then he becomes legendary. Hmm. Yeah, you bring up a good point. It's got built-in stakes, right? There's no, there's usually no doubt what what they want to accomplish. Uh, you know, everything is laid out for you. It's a fairly simple uh, set of stakes and structure. But like uh, mm-hmm. Chris's Chris's mentioned, I think it was of Sea Biscuit was incredible because that's got three separate stories going on. You've got the Actually, four. You've got the owner, the jockey, the trainer, and Seabiscuit himself. Um, so you know, there's such great drama in in each one of those storylines, and each any one of those storylines could make a great sports film. Um, so I think that's you know, uh, Larry mentioned Slapshot. Um, gosh, I love that movie too, and that was like a even with all the comedy was great drama in the in what they had to accomplish. Right, the stakes were clear. Yeah. Yeah, if they didn't win, they were gonna dis- uh, dis- dis- disband the team. So, plus, is that the only 
sports film Paul Newman ever did? I think so, huh? Well, unless you want to. No, he also or... did. Uh, he did uh, pool. He played pool. Oh, the hustler. In two yeah. movies, Color of Money, and yeah. And hustler. Is that what you were going to yeah. mention, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting too. Uh, Slapshot. George Roy Hill directed mm. it, who did Butch Cassidy ah, and the great go. Waldo Pepper and great director. Yeah, well, and and obviously we talked about uh, his, the connection to William Goldman last week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wonder who wrote Slapshot. He was. Um, uh, he also was down. a boxer. What's that? He played a boxer early in his career, Paul. Oh, in, right. I think oh, he played Rocky right. Graziano and. Somebody up there likes me. Right, right, oh, right. Yeah. Great list, great discussion. We are Plot Points Podcast. Um, I'm with uh, Lorenzo Porcelli, Chris Styers, and uh, Aaron Musa Zahab. Um, terrific guys, terrific writers, and uh, filmmakers who, who uh, also Chris is a uh, published author, as also is Larry. And so, and Aaron's being just basically beginning his journey as a writer. He wandered into my class a couple years ago, and I haven't been able to get rid of him since, so uh, I guess he's going to stick around. <laughs> we've, we've tried. You know, we get together every week and discuss how we can make you uh, leave the class, and somehow you keep coming back and getting better. So I don't know how... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Um, at this point... Oh, by the way, you can reach us. Um, there's a website, plotpoints.com. You can reach us through 919 scripts that's uh 919scripts which is a, a phone number that you can leave a message uh we're also on iTunes um all over i mean if you just type in plot points podcast there's actually a different another plot points but we're called plot points podcast they're called just plot points so uh but you can find us if you type in my name or um, I, I think any of my co-hosts in the last couple of years would uh, would also bring it up. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Let's talk a little bit. Let's do a Q and A. Do we have any questions from anybody about uh, screenwriting or or the business of screenwriting? What do you What do you you know What do you wish you known then that you know now? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it's a good question because I I don't know. Um, what do I know now that I wish I had known when I was starting? Well, first of all, I guess, yeah. the, I guess it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I, I didn't have any, I didn't know what I didn't know back then. So I didn't have any expectations as to how my career was going to go. But there's also, it's also up and down. There's just no way to anticipate. I, I can, I tell this story. I, I didn't sell us my first script. I was hired to write a script. That was my first break into Hollywood. And uh, I always consider that as a badge of honor because it's rare that a first-time writer of any type gets a gets an assignment, especially with a company uh, that has to make money off of the movie or else they're in trouble. So, I mean, if you're working for a studio, studios can dump $100 million into a movie and then, you know, recover from that. But these smaller companies can't do that. But the, the point I wanted to make is I thought after that first movie that that was going to be it, that the doors to Hollywood were going to be open. And it was almost two years later before I sold my second script or before I got hired to write hmm. another one. So I guess it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, 
when you're just starting out, all you can see is that next step. You can't really see down the road. So I would just say for for everybody who's looking at making a career as a screenwriter or even as a novel writer, it's uh, it's never going to be automatic. I mean, you're always going to have to struggle to make that next sale uh, or keep up that uh, that that uh, the, the the heat that's on you as a writer. And so that that's probably it. I mean, it's a it's a lot harder than I ever thought it was going to be. And I don't know honestly if I. If I had known what how hard it was going to be, I don't know that if I had gone, I probably would have gone into computers and just left it at that. But uh, but I love, I enjoy, I enjoy what I'm doing. So it's it's you know as my friend uh, Joanne used to say, um, there are no victims, just volunteers. And so I am definitely a volunteer, not a victim. Great question, Larry. Thank you. Uh, I had another one. I had a couple of them. Okay. Oh, go ahead, oh, go ahead Aaron. Go ahead. No, there. Oh, well, yeah, uh, you know, do you feel uh, like, let's say, in those first few years, um, what did you find was your mo? Did you find building the character was more important, building the story, and how did you build a great character? What's more important, most important aspect of that? Mm, well, so people it, don't like the characters, you know, they don't like the movie, or right? But uh, I, I think you're, I think you're asking the wrong guy when it comes to characters because I don't. I don't think characters are as important as concept um, from a business standpoint. I mean, from a writing standpoint, from a pure writing standpoint, from a teacher, if I was a, if I was talking about it as a teacher, I would say, yes, characters are important, but for me, it's concept because without a great concept, you can't sell a great character. And so if you don't have a concept, you're not going to sell your script. And if you're not going to sell your script, you might as well be writing for your mother because nobody's going to buy it. So for me, it's concept, 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 concept. If you have a great concept and it and it's easy to pitch, uh, or easy to use, do on a log line or a synopsis, I think you're, I think you're already, and, I mean, Larry, you know this. We've you and I have talked writing for many years. Um, they can take a bad script and hire a writer to fix it, but they can't take a bad concept and fix it if the concept isn't strong enough. It'll never hit uh, the screen because nobody will ever want to work on it. Nobody will ever want to fix it. So, right, or they're paid so much that they do it anyway. Well, yeah, well, I, I mean, no. It, the thing is, is with I, I, my first meeting with, in the industry was with a independent was with a producer who was working for an independent production company, and she said, "I never forget this. I mean, it's one of the stories I tell when I talk to colleges." Uh, you're a great writer. You're going to have a long career. But next time you come to see me, get a better concept. And, I mean, she was, that honesty is, you know, endemic in the industry. And that's what you got to know is they're, these are business people. They have bottom lines. She can't take a script that's well written um, to her bosses and push it and promote it up the ladder if that script's concept won't sell, won't, won't sell a ticket. I mean, if you look at the movies, I, yeah, you know, I mean, there's movies like Lady Bird and yeah. uh, Moonlight and, you know, movies like that do make, get made and they're great independent films. But compared to the stuff that does get made, the stuff that you see all the time, the stuff that I get leads on, they're, those are few and far between. People want concepts. They want, uh, they want that karate chop. They want that, that boom. And um, if you can't give it to them, you might as well get out of the business because it's not going to work. Okay, another yeah, great question. You. 
All right. Uh, Chris or Aaron, do you guys have a question? I have a question. Go ahead, Aaron. My, my question is, should beginning writers start off with one genre or a combination of genres like science fiction, horror, which is exactly what Alien is? I think if you're getting into a class, uh, if you're, if, if it's my class, I'm going to ask you to write what you feel is your, in your heart, whatever you feel most strongly about. But if you yeah. would come to me privately and say, Mark, what should I write? I would say, write a, write a genre film, write a horror film, uh, a serial killer film, uh, even a comedy or something that's, that are easier to conceptualize. Dramas are very hard to write. They're very hard to write because they're, they don't, they don't have a, a, a lot of them don't have a strong plot line. So, so beginning writers should write what they feel most strongly about. And that's what I cons- counsel, uh, writers in my intro class. Write your, Write what you, write your passion, write whatever you think is your passion. But like you, you know, you went through a process where you wrote a bunch of things and, and it really didn't work out for you. And then you hit on, somehow you hit on this fantasy, uh, stuff and you seem to really, really do well with that. But that's a genre film too. You know, it's got certain, certain tropes and things like that. So I don't know. Absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you, I think you should write what you what you feel most strongly about. I know Chris does, and I know Larry does too. So it's what they feel, mm-hmm. but also with a, a sense of this is what I can accomplish because it's a certain it it hits a certain um, place in me. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think you should write genre films. I I'm a big genre film writer. I love genre films. I I think they're great, and uh, to some extent they're easy because there's certain tendencies, I guess. All right, one more question, Chris. Well, for a lot of, there's a lot of screenwriting script contests out there. Uh-huh. For a beginning writer, are they worthwhile? Absolutely. Or? Without a doubt. Okay. Unqualified, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, let's think about it. Well, why would anybody think that um, a script contest would have any value? Not, I mean, not not for nothing, maybe you'll win it or maybe you'll place in it. But what's the, what's the biggest, what's the, what do you guys think is um, important about it? Well, I would assume that if you're sending a script into one of these contests, you're going to get some feedback. Not always, but okay. Oh, okay. Well, you have, sometimes you have to pay for coverage. Um, like oh, with, okay. Like it's extra, so you pay forty bucks for the contest, but then you can add another ten bucks for coverage or another twenty bucks for coverage. Gotcha. Uh, but, but yeah, that is there's value there, absolutely. If you want to pay for it, what else? I mean, what else do you guys think is important about a contest? Well, if you place or win, you're going to get your name out there. Right. Obviously, that's a a great benefit. Obviously, there's there's a there's an open door to, and a lot of the people who are reading these entries are industry people. They're agents or producers, independent producers, or even executives <coughs> looking for the la- the next great movie. I got to say, the most important part of any contest is the fact that you have to actually finish a script on a deadline and have it into a, a person who's going to judge it, some, somebody besides your friends or your mom. So... <laughs> You know, I mean, really think about it. It's like a, it's like an assignment. It's like a, um, you have to do it. You have to get it in. You know, there's no excuse. You can't, you can't send a, uh, a script in after a deadline and say, gee, I forgot or, or my computer crashed or, 
the dog ate my homework or whatever. You have to have yeah. it in. They have a deadline. That's it. That's your deadline. And uh, you, you want to make it the best you can possibly make it. So you're you're actually writing for somebody besides yourself. You're writing for maybe okay. an industry person. So, so to me, that's okay. the most important part of it. All right. Well, um, guys, thanks for those questions. Thanks for your wonderful insight into uh, movies and um, the world that uh, that. We sometimes, uh, participate in. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of heartache. But, and I think sports films definitely cover, for me, they cover that same, um, you know, that same kind of, uh, drumbeat of, uh, there's a world out there that only a few people, uh, special people can participate in. And if I want to participate in, in it, I have to be special too. So, uh, Aaron, uh, thank you very much for, for being with us. No problem, Mark. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Thank you very much for all your insight. Uh, Larry, thank you for, uh, for uh, re- reading your email and finding out that you were on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're always, you know, it, it, there's so much depth to your comments and so much scope to who you are as a person it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast so thank you very much and chris as usual uh it was uh great grand uh, uh you're you know one of my favorite people in the world uh to talk writing about because uh, you also have a tremendous amount of scope even though uh you we we really work in different worlds for most of most part i love uh i love when i love le- learning learning stuff from you as a as an author that's really it's really quite I enjoy, important. I've been enjoying this and I want to thank Larry and Aaron. They've given me some ideas for some movies I need to see again. Mm, absolutely. Uh, you can find us on plotpoints.com. You can see us on, find us on iTunes. And of course, um, the, the, the nine, the phone number to reach us for, to leave a question or, or comment is 919 scripts. Uh, my name is Mark Sevy. I, Holy and thoroughly enjoyed this podcast with my friends from uh, different areas of my life that all seem to coalesce into one place. And uh, for everybody at Plot Points Podcast and for myself, be inspired, do good work. And hold the phone, the sun.